0: International another episode of lie cheat and steal a podcast about liars frauds thieves and bullshitters i am your host pat sarois with me as always once again my co-host kath barbadoro hi pat what's up oh nothing much good to be back in the studio doing our thing we were both kind of uh nomadic the last month and moving around a bunch so
1: yeah thank you for bearing with us listeners our hiatus uh, is hopefully over for a while yeah um, yeah <laughs> Yeah, we're just, you know, we're busy people.
0: Yeah, we're, we're just, you know, uh, just jet-setting people, just, you know, with active lifestyles. And that's just, that's the truth. Exactly.
1: Uh, I think if you if you were to see us, you would definitely say, those are two people with some active lifestyles. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> the, the, the two people on the go, the right there. <laughs> Oh man. I, uh, yeah, I was, uh, traveling around. I went to the East coast. I went to New York. I did not get a chance to, uh, hang out with Kath up there. So, uh, sorry listeners. We failed you in that respect, but, uh, that <laughs> yeah, was fun, man. I had a good time. I was, uh, all, all over town, <laughs> just, uh, walking around, eating bagels, uh, getting pizza, doing all the good stuff. What was the best food you ate? Uh, the best food I ate was a meatball sub from a place called Federo's. I think Okay. In okay. Brooklyn, I went there with with uh, with Blake Midget. Shout out Blake Midget and uh, his homeboy SunTech. And uh, damn, yeah, we I'm went- sad
1: I didn't get to see you. That's I do. Like when we're talking about how we're busy, literally, I didn't see Pat when he was in New York because we were both too busy. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> real crazy, but yeah. good news. I'm coming to Austin in a few weeks, so we're gonna record a bunch of stuff in person, hopefully, and yeah. uh, you know. Yeah, yeah sure. sad I missed that meatball sub. That sounds
0: good. Oh uh, yeah, it was so good, man. And then oh, this is just crazy. Uh, you know, New York. Um, a, lot, a lot of people know this. Uh, a lot of people live there. That's kind of not. Uh,
1: turns not, out, yeah,
0: yeah. It turns out pretty populated. Uh, <laughs> I decided on uh, on the Monday that I was there. That was my uh, my my basic bitch day. I was just gonna walk around New York and do basic bitch shit. And so
1: yeah, I, did you go get a cupcake at Magnolia or something? <laughs>
0: no, even that seems too hip for me. I didn't know what the hell that was. I literally I oh, was like gonna
1: from Sex in the City. It's so
0: uh, hip. So I was going to go start in uh I was going to start in Times Square. I've been to Times Square before, but I literally didn't know where else to go. So I took <laughs> I t- yeah, I took the uh the, the L over from Brooklyn over to uh to uh, uh I guess fucking Manhattan. And I'm going there And, and I look at my uh, I'm looking at the map And I have the, it has the first And second First and third street stops And then it has the Fourteenth street stop And I saw mm-hmm. the first And third street Below it Was listed as The East Village And I was like I've heard of that I should go Just walk around In the East Village So I Yeah, yeah So I get out And I'm walking around and I'm trying to find a place to inconspicuously it, it, it smoke weed to make the city better. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's hard to do in New York. There's people fucking everywhere. And so I like ducked off into the street real quick and I just very like just quickly ripped this little bowl. And so I was like, all right, no, yeah. So I walked down the street, realized it was empty, walked back down that street, did my did my thing and then walked back up the street and as soon as I got back onto the uh, the second avenue I bumped like literally bumped into Martin Urbano and Kelsey Kane so uh friends uh friends with the Austin comedy scene who are now in New York fucking crushing it but it was just insane in that city of like what is like eight nine million people I bumped directly into like the two people I fucking know there
1: (laughs) that's crazy yeah that's super crazy that was
0: cool that we spent the day just kind of walking around uh in, in the East Village yeah yeah it was cool I third wheeled it it was a good time it definitely was a drain on their relationship so
1: <laughs> it
0: was fun uh so yeah so uh, yeah that was good it was it was fun being there in, in the big city i have got a story from another big city uh the 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 third biggest i believe in uh or third or fourth biggest in america uh this is uh this one we're going all the way to chicago illinois kath okay we're, we're headed to chicago this one is yo this is a crazy story i i heard i feel about-
1: like chicago seems like a place where people get up to crooked shit yeah yeah exa- yeah like, no <laughs> but in a fun way in a like i i've described chicago as a city of bar regulars
0: before, yeah, yeah, yeah you know <laughs> yeah just a bunch of just like norms just in and out of the bar uh, yeah,
1: just the city of norms.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the city of norms. Oh, uh, that's uh, that's America. I love where he was going to rename the entire map. New York, America's <laughs> doorknob. Chicago, the yep. city of norms. Um, Did
1: you get sick while you were in New York? Are you healthy still?
0: I, I still, yeah, I'm still pretty healthy. I, you, uh, good yeah. job. I just insulated myself with booze and drugs, so like nothing got Perfect. in. Yeah, it was Perfect. pretty fun. Um But yeah, the Brooklyn bar scene, or at least the portion of the Brooklyn bar scene I was exposed to by Blake Midget is fucking nuts. Like, it's like... Every night is sidebar in Austin, like on a Friday at 11 o'clock. It's like every night, which is every moment seemed like that. It was pretty tight.
1: Yeah. It's hard to find like a chill bar. Like yeah. everywhere's loud. Everywhere's full of people. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. I found the the one that had the show at Faulkner. That was actually a pretty dope spot. I walked in. It felt like I was in a, 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 a New England study in the turn of the century. Like it was just, <laughs> it was pretty cool. Like the, the, the show very was crappy. legit lit by a fucking fireplace. So it was very chill. Oh yeah, fun times. But uh, yeah. So, but enough about the the Big Apple. Let's uh, let's go back to the city of norms, uh, the city of the deep dish, uh, Chicago, Illinois, uh, specifically August eighth, nineteen seventy four, in Chicago, Illinois. Uh,
1: really, a great time for Chicago. Like, yeah. you get to late seventies. You got you have like the disco sucks movement. Yeah. You have uh, John Belushi is still kicking. You know, yep. it's a yep. big. Big time for the city
0: of Chicago. Yeah, there, there's big hair, it's big shoes, big cars, uh, everything, you know, <laughs> everything is going good. Uh, so, but not at this, uh, not not today, not at this place. Uh, we okay. pick up our tale. Uh, we're joining burglary detective Jack Sherwin is called to investigate a break-in on the city's south side. The victim is one Linda Taylor. Uh, she explains to Sherwin that someone has broken into her home and stolen $14,000 worth of jewelry, fur coats, and cash. Uh, Linda is shaken up, but not too worried. Wow,
1: her her home sounds awesome.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just got full of
1: gold fur coats yeah, and cash. Cool yeah. <laughs> lady.
0: She like lives in one of those like mid uh, mid uh, early late nineties to early two thousands rap covers. <laughs> like she just yeah. <laughs> yeah she lives in a no limit poster. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, Linda's shaken up, but not too worried. Uh, luckily, most of the items were insured, so that's always good. Yeah. Uh As Sherwood listened to her story, he began to have the strangest feeling. He had seen this woman before. Uh, something about her was familiar, you know? So he asks for a glass of water, and she obliges. Uh, Sherwin, wraps up, wraps, <laughs> Sherwin wraps up the interview and leaves Linda Taylor's home. Unbeknownst to Linda, Sherwin leaves with the glass that she brought him. So real, like, already we're just like in like old school detective work, you know? And so he brings it back to the precinct, and Sherwin has the glass tested for fingerprints, runs the results to the database, and the prints come back, and it rang a few bells for Sherwin. Two, okay. 2 years ago at an address across town, he had investigated a very similar burglary. It was 10,000 in cash and jewels burgled from a woman. A woman who had different hair a different name and a different address but by God that was the same woman he knew it he was like that's the same lady whoa okay yeah, so that case so had,
1: when did so he didn't realize until later like he interviewed an interview an e- and then he was like wait a second yeah
0: he had an inkling during the interview and he snagged the glass to get like you know the uh, the evidence So oh and the
1: fingerprints came up again yeah yeah
0: he finger he got he fingerprinted, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, the fingerprint yeah yeah so he ran the fingerprints and he came back he's like oh yeah this is a case that I worked two years ago it's the same lady and it ended uh-huh. with her being charged with making a false report. And uh he looked at all the evidence. Her house
1: wasn't that cool. She just really
0: wanted yeah, yeah, no. It was, yeah, it was not as cool as she very few things are as cool as you make it out to be to the insurance company.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is a truism of life for sure.
0: They just must get the like the craziest, just like grandiose fucking statements about people's stuff. (laughs) Uh, so yeah so that this one would too he looked at all the evidence there was nothing substantiated that there was a break in Uh, but Sherwin he was shocked that this woman would be so bold so he dug a little deeper into the mysterious Linda Taylor Uh, as Sherwin noted he said the more I dug into it the more I found that just wasn't right Sherwin noted Uh, first he learned that Linda was a welfare recipient under four different names (laughs) so yeah yeah Linda Taylor's in there just pulling in welfare uh, four different names and then he learned about her husband's all seven of her husbands, previous husbands.
1: This lady is living the fucking. Yeah, life. yeah.
0: You, this lady, you're, you're gonna, you're. Uh, this lady sucks, but she's definitely like, you're going to like her. <laughs> uh,
1: she sucks the way that uh, I aspire to
0: suck. Yes, well, no, there's some parts about her that really suck, and we'll get into those later. <laughs> so, Yeah, there's some things out there that, that there's some not worth it. There's a lot of not worth it's running around in this one, Kath. Uh, so Sherwood tracked down a few of the husbands, and most of them were actually reluctant to speak. Uh, they seemed cautious uh, about speaking to him about her, and some of them sure, That's how noticed. all
1: my husbands are. Yeah,
0: yeah, they're just like, look, I don't want any trouble. <laughs> <laughs> did she send you who are you, who who are you with? Yeah. That's what they said like she said some of them were like, "Look, I don't know, man. I don't want to talk. I don't want to make any trouble." And they were like legit scared of this lady. So, Yeah. Sherwin's like fine and all the stuff. So it's late September '74. Uh, seven weeks after Sherwin met Taylor for the second time, and he had really dug deep about all the all the welfare fraud. They also found that she was receiving uh, military death benefits from four non-existent husbands. Like that's not four of the seven, but just four additional just fake four husbands. Four
1: additional fake
0: husbands. Yeah, paper husbands. So
1: she's up to eleven now.
0: Yeah, yeah, 11, uh, 11 confirmed or eleven like like suggested or confirmed but like there's seven that are physical beings and four of them are just uh like a homeboy in a Shawshank redemption just like yeah completely existing on paper. So this paper is paper husbands. Yeah, paper husbands. This actually makes a pretty big uh uh splash in in, in the press. Uh the, the detective's findings make it to the Chicago Tribune. Um uh, and so uh, the, it actually catches the attention of Pulitzer Prize-winning uh, uh, journalist George Bliss. Uh, he wrote about her saying that Linda Taylor received Illinois welfare checks and food stamps, even though she was driving three 1974 autos, a Cadillac, a Lincoln, and a Chevrolet station wagon. Claimed to own four, And she claimed to own four buildings on the south side of Chicago, and she was about to leave for a vacation in Hawaii, is what he wrote. Uh, the story detailed a 14-page report that Sherwin had put together illuminating a lifestyle of false identities that seemed calculated to confuse our computerized, credit-oriented society. So this is just somebody that figured it out. Yeah. Uh, there was yeah. evidence that the 47-year-old Taylor had used three social security cards, 27 names, 31 addresses... 25 phone numbers and not to mention 30 different wigs. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. She's just a
1: regular dick. I'm so glad they included the wig figure. That's a very important figure.
0: It it is. It is. And I mean, you know, uh, you know, shout out to wigs and we're just gonna leave it at that. But no, um, like, yeah, I
1: just, anytime that somebody on our show in like, Anytime one of the cons we talk about involves like a physical disguise, including a wig, it's the best. I'm like so <laughs>
0: happy. Well, because that's what it's, it's. like when you watch a movie and like you know you see like like for example like John Carpenter's The Thing, great movie because it's all sure. Like, it's none of it's CGI. It's all like real stuff. It's there. So when you see yeah. like a scam that involves like a wig and a fake mustache, you're like, oh, this is that real. That you know that, yeah. that like this is really I respect- happening.
1: It, it, it signifies somebody who respects tradition yeah. you know who <laughs> so like they really they understand the legacy that they're coming from in terms yes. of scammers and they want to honor it yeah exactly Ex-
0: exactly yeah these these are you know just auteurs and just traditionalists and I, I you know hats off so uh <laughs> George Bliss's coverage of Lyndon Taylor in the Chicago Tribune was sensational um uh, Bliss had been covering welfare fraud stories for a few years but his reporting up until then had failed to really capture the public's attention I mean, you know, headlines about the federal government auditing Medicaid weren't exactly sensational, but here was a bona fide front page scoop. So they're on it. They're running with it, uh, as the tribute. Yeah.
1: And I can already see where this is going as far as, uh, People getting real horny about shaming welfare. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We're
0: gonna we're gonna t- we're gonna dip our our toes in that pool today, Kath. Uh, <laughs> so, as the Tribune and other outlets stated in the story, those figures continued to rise. Reports Reporters noted that Linda Taylor had used as many as eighty names, and that she'd received at least one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in illicit welfare cash. Uh, nice. Taylor also gained a reputation fittingly as a master of disguise. Uh, somebody said that, you know, she's black, but she's able to pass herself off as Spanish, Filipino, white, black, Asian. That's, that's like four of the same things. <laughs> like, uh,
1: yeah. Like I get what they're saying, but like, I feel like that just means you're sort of like brownish yeah, like, that's yeah, not, exactly. like, that impressive. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like I know a lot of people who could kind of like, passes any race if they wanted to just because it just means you're like, a white skinned brown person. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, I mean. yeah, exactly. I, I mean that must, <laughs> that's got to be crazy because like if you're like a, like a, like in Hollywood, for example, if you're a white like, a white actor, you're generally well. Actually, unfortunately, sometimes you're not cast as white people, but a lot of times, yeah, you yeah, no,
1: no, no, white people can be anything yeah. in Hollywood. They can, that's we, they can, very yeah.
0: inspirational. Yeah, but I would imagine if you were like a, a person of color acting in Hollywood, and you just go to an, like it's like it's be weird. You go to a place and they're just like, "I right, want you to play a Mexican guy," and you're like, "Well, actually, I'm uh, you know like a, my mother, my mother's from Hong Kong and my dad's Italian." And they're like, "Yeah, yeah." Yeah, whatever you're mexican now <laughs> yeah you're mexican now yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: yeah i mean they white people do it too like you know i'm italian like italians and jews have been playing each other in hollywood oh, forever yeah
0: yeah for sure for sure but I-
1: yeah for to white people it's just like, okay, you're sort of brown, you can just be yeah, any
0: brown. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like the old Star Treks and the Klingons were just like Puerto Rican dudes with goatees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No makeup whatsoever. It was just literally like just like <laughs> swarthy Puerto Rican dudes. <laughs> Oh, man. So they said that she also appeared that she could be any age that she wishes, from the uh, early 20s to the early 50s, is what somebody said. So the public was transfixed. transfixed. Uh, Bliss dubbed her, and this is a a term that has stuck and has perpetuated a lot of damage, and we're going to get into that. Bliss dubbed her the welfare queen.
1: Ta-da!
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And And thus
1: begins the legacy of...
0: Yeah. Yeah. So much
1: he, fucking bullshit. Yeah.
0: So much poverty shaming. Yeah. This is, this is it. This is where it starts. That's, 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 what, that's yeah. what today's story is about. So, uh, he dubbed her the welfare queen and a media sensation was born. Now, uh, the, Tribune tribute had found a central character in this ongoing welfare drama, a story about a large dysfunctional institution became a lot more personal. Uh, the failure or worse unwillingness to ferret out Taylor's dirty deeds revealed more about the flaws of the state and county government than any balance sheet ever could. Uh, in his report to his superiors at the Chicago Police Department, Sherwin described ping-ponging from the Department of Public Aid to the state's attorney's office to the U.S. attorney with none of the agencies expressing much interest in helping him out. Uh, the, tribute, the Tribune's headline, Cops Find a Seat, But No One Cares. Uh, so,
1: Like, okay, I I understand why this, is, why this is sort of a perfect storm for people that wanted to cut welfare. Yeah. But, like, wouldn't you, like, it, it, the other way to interpret this is, like, They didn't care because this isn't that big of a problem. Like this doesn't happen that often. Like it's statistically like not where the vast, vast, vast majority of welfare money is going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Therefore, it's not worth like spending a lot of resources on.
0: Yeah, oh, remedying. This, this, this story goes to some very high levels that we're going to get into. And at the end of the day, from welfare fraud, all that can be substantiated is that she stole $8,000. Like, I mean, okay. I mean, yeah. yeah. And, but, like, the. Like, the, big whoop. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Rich like, people
1: lie on their taxes more than $8,000. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: For but, it. like, what's crazy is just like the. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it. There's basically this. This would, what happens with this lady is like if you caught a member of ISIS and just like charged him for having weed like if you were just like hey ISIS guy <laughs> get over here we're going to give you a weed charge like she is one of the worst fucking people that I've ever that we've ever read about and
1: it's like if you it's, it's like if you caught someone from ISIS charged them for weed and then made them And then made them the argument for why weed should be. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. That's exactly what you're just completely missing the point. It's like, you know, I saw it off a guy's head on the internet once. It's like, shut up, you pothead. All right, we're talking over here. (laughs) Yeah, you fucking. It's
1: like weed makes people cut people's heads off. It's like, no, ISIS (laughs) makes you cut. Like, you're missing the whole point.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, long time ago when they, one of those first ISIS beheading videos came out, local comic, Zach Brooks, uh, uh, tweeted something. He said, our reporters heads are falling off. (laughs) 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 Little, little, little dumb and dumber shout out there. I was like, that's pretty fucking funny. (laughs) So, uh, so Sherwin uh, this this cop Sherwin uh, eventually found a willing partner. I kind of feel bad for this guy. Like he's just like like, like he he feels like he has like he's like a, like a, a cop who's too good by half. I don't know. So Yeah. Yeah, so he uh, he finally got uh, a willing partner in the Legislative Advisory Committee on Public Aid. It was a body put together by state legislators eager to take a stand against government waste. Uh, The detective also learned that Taylor, Linda Taylor, was wanted on felony fraud charges in Michigan. So at the end of August 1974, she was arrested in Chicago and released on bond in advance of an extradition hearing. You idiots. (laughs) A month later, (laughs) and the day after the Tribune told her story for the first time, Linda Taylor didn't answer when her name was called in Cook County Circuit Court. The most notorious woman in Illinois was now on the lam. Uh, now we're going to not really jump in time yeah it's about the same time August 12th 1974 Uh, this is four days after Linda Taylor reported that she had been robbed and Officer Jack Sherwin had showed up Uh, that was when a nice man named Lamar Jones met his future bride the twenty-one year old. Oh no, Paul Lamar John. this dude, this dude gets it rough. The twenty-one year old sailor was working in the dental clinic at Chicago. Twenty-one. Yeah, twenty-one. Just.
1: Oh my God! Get out, Lamar!
0: <laughs> run, bitch! Run for your life! You know, <laughs> just. Uh, so Lamar Jones, yeah, he was working at the, the Great Lakes Naval Training Center at a, at a dental clinic uh, and went in walked a beautiful woman to get her teeth cleaned. Something about her was totally fascinating, Jones remembers. I met her because she was pretty and I was shooting game to her. I guess her game <laughs> must have been stronger than mine because I met her that Monday and got married that Saturday. <laughs> damn oh lamar you beautiful idiot uh (laughs) jones thought he was lucky to get hitched to the 35 year old linda shulvia as he knew her uh she was beautiful with as he said the smoothest skin he'd ever seen she also gave him a thousand dollars as a wedding present and uh he had his pick of fancy new cars but lamar and linda's marriage lasted only a little longer than their five-day courtship after a few weeks after the exchange vows Linda was arrested Uh, when Jones paid his her bond his new wife fled the state Uh, to make it gets a little worse to make things worse she stole his color TV and this was the 70s yeah Like You took his color TV to the set and, they, and they're like taking your fucking like iPad Pro today. just like a horribly expensive piece of electronics. <laughs> now he's going to go back to watching the fucking Jack Parr show in black and white or whatever it was they did back then. Oh, know.
1: yeah. You can't go back. Poor Lamar. Now he's single and he doesn't even yeah, have a, yeah, a yeah, TV to pass the time with. No, he
0: does not. The poor kid. Uh, the young Navy man realized something was amiss with his new bride even before the television went missing. Uh, when she showed him a degree from a university in Haiti, already suspect, uh, he, he noticed that it said Linda Taylor, not Linda shulvia Jones says, Uh-oh. "Yeah." Jones says Linda had five mailboxes at her residence at eight two two one South Clyde Avenue, and she'd get letters in all five addressed to different names. Uh, he got a bit uneasy when Linda told him after they were married that he was her eighth husband. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, yeah,
1: thirty five,
0: eight husbands. Yeah, man. Uh, she also had a sister named Constance who seemed more like her adult daughter, he noticed. You know how he said her skin was so pale and smooth? He said that she could look Asian or like a light skinned black woman or even white. One night, though, he woke up before dawn and saw that his bride's smooth skin wasn't so perfect. By his own words, she had a thousand wrinkles on her face. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I counted. Uh, mm-hmm. After he caught this illicit glimpse, Linda locked herself in the bathroom for an hour. When she came out, she looked like a whole new person. Uh,
1: What's she doing? I need to know her secret.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, and fuck all the stealings. She could have just been re- like doing makeup tutorials. See, this is if they had YouTube back then. She just could have been doing tutorials and
1: yeah, yeah. What's her skincare regimen? Yeah, Let they, me know.
0: You know, it's, it was lost to history, Kath, and that's uh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, so he said once Linda fled the state, that ended all hope of salvaging their three week marriage. That'll normally do that. Yep. Uh, Jones says at that point, he cooperated with authorities, uh, who wiretapped his phone and traced one of the fugitives calls on October 9th. A woman named Constance green was apprehended in Tucson, Arizona on behalf of Chicago police. One guess as to who that was. Uh, <laughs> so on November 13th, Taylor was indicted on charges of theft, perjury and bigamy because <laughs> you know, I mean, she was still married. Uh, it turns out, uh, so the charges of bigamy were later dropped though. Uh, In court records listing the counts of the indictment, the defendant's name is recorded as Connie Walker, a.k.a. Linda Bennett, a.k.a. Linda Taylor, a.k.a. Linda Jones, a.k.a. Connie Jarvis, (laughs) a.k.a. Young Connie, a.k.a. Little Linda. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she has a SoundCloud. Yes, she'll tweet you the link. Um, So she was either 35, 39, 40, or 47, depending on whose story you believed. So, Linda's court case entered the courts in 1974, and just as things tend to do, uh, it stalled in the Illinois court for two years, but it remained wildly popular in the headlines. So popular, in fact, that when Ronald Reagan's bitch ass ran for president for first time in 1976, he made Linda Taylor the primary uh, focus of his vow to end the welfare state and used her as an example as to how deeply flawed and broken the system was. No. yeah 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 this is this 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 was her, her like he like lived off these like this was his whole like wall thing when he when he ran in 76 like you he just there's tons of speeches uh we'll get to that in a second now i want to give a little bit of a, a backstory here on just how how fucked up, uh, our, how we do things here in this country are. So when social services like Medicaid and the aid for dependent children, which was the predecessor to welfare were introduced, they were extremely popular. Uh, the 1930s and forties, the media portrayed poor Americans in a very sympathetic light, uh, to most of the country, poor Americans were downtrodden, hardworking and white. So that was the, the, the face of American poverty was, was just, you know, mm. was, was disenfranchised poor rural whites. So, hello, uh, hello. Hello. Uh, Oh, my phone went off. Hey, hey, what's up?
1: Sorry, yeah, you got cut off somehow.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think my, my mom texted me about that fucking shooter. Anyways, uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and edit, edit that. And I'll come. I'll come back in. Uh, yeah,
1: the last thing I heard was that uh, they treated poor people in a sympathetic light. They were white and downtrodden. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, I, yeah,
0: I ended on white. So just uh, market white. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so <clears throat> now. All right, three, two, one. Uh, now, discriminatory hiring practices forced many Black Americans to work off the books or under the table. This was like very common back then. Uh, it was mm-hmm. it was a, a it was a lot more rare for uh, an African American to get like an on the books job. Uh, uh-huh. It didn't happen nearly as nearly as often as as what you would think. So um, now, because of that, that disqualified them for government assistance because they weren't working. So mm. so yeah, that that was like a huge uh, you know thing back then. So with the civil rights movement came widespread legitimate hirings of African Americans which then qualified them for social services and programs. So mm-hmm. just per the huge now that blacks had access to the same social safety nets as whites, the media's portrayal of po- poverty-stricken Americans changed dramatically. You can like literally see the moment this changed if you go back and look at just like old news news footage. Uh, yeah, it used to be like clips of like dust bowl era rural white farmers who needed a helping hand and it was replaced with images of inner city blacks looking for a hand out that was the the narrative shifted the media shifted about it almost overnight the public perception of welfare programs shifted to a negative one and politicians swooped in to exploit it as a way to pander to working class white voters so Mm -hmm. you know uh ronald reagan rode this wave of newfound resentment on the campaign trail and welfare queen linda taylor became one of his most frequent talking points uh
1: you know that's really interesting just because of like the way like obviously uh Disdain for the poor in this country has like, it's pretty clearly rooted in in racism. Yeah. But I didn't realize how directly it was. Where it was literally like, we love social safety nets as long as yeah. we get to decide who gets it.
0: It's exactly like, exactly what it was, and it, it's it's uh it's it's baffling. Like you go back and look, like like. Like I even in my lifetime, the way we look at the poor, I feel it was even way more compassionate when I was a kid, like my parents were military yeah, and absolutely were, yeah, they were military they were you know they're not like an extremely hardcore conservative or republican, but they're as you know as republican as you would imagine two career military people to be, and like sure. I remember my like it was back then it was just like I don't know like if someone was poor we didn't there were you know like it was like we felt sorry for them we you know like a man like man they must have had a rough life and it's like that's gone now like I talked right. I talked to it, my friends who are like more on the hard edge conservative thing and they're just like you know very few of them have any sort of compassion towards or it's, it's always like well yeah that person just needs to you know pull themselves up by the bootstraps and work so you know life sucks sometimes and it's just it's not like right it,
1: it's less like um it it sorry, it's now more like a personal failing in a way that like obviously even in the 80s with people like Reagan, it was like, it was definitely like this this whole narrative of like personal accountability, particularly relating to inner city black people, but at least there was some acknowledgement of of pity or something, which yeah, is like, yeah, I not feel, great. Like it's yeah. still condescending and patronizing, but like, at least there was some acknowledgement that like being poor sucks and nobody wants it. Yes, you know?
0: exactly. Like I, man, I like when, like I have uh, like just people I've talked to on like Facebook and shit, which uh, like I, I posted a video in time where it was these, uh, these border patrol agents kicking over water in the desert that was left for people crossing through the desert. And mm-hmm. I was just like, yo, this is straight up evil. Anyway, you slice it. And yeah. P- and people,
1: it's sadistic.
0: Yeah. And people were like, well, no, they're breaking the law. They shouldn't be doing that. And then it was just like, what the fuck has happened? Like what, like what is, how do you look at that? And like, like see this dude kicking over water for people in the desert and be like, yep, that's what I, and I, I that's like lot.
1: literally like a biblical parable. Yeah, like yeah. you give people water, like you yeah. don't. Yes. Yeah. And the idea and the irony that so many of these people consider themselves religious, oh, yeah, insane, it's, it's, but that's a whole other thing.
0: It's disgusting. So, yeah, they uh, so yeah the, the, that was around where it changed. It changed like that. That be- that began to change where it was because you know oh we have all these you know like the New Deal was insanely popular like Roosevelt you know like we're gonna put a fucking car in your garage and a chicken right. in your pot everybody's like fuck yeah and then like that was cool and then like when it turned out like oh we're put oh everybody's pot is getting a chicken well I don't I don't right. know about that you know like, it's- <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> why can't you go out and find your own chicken
0: yeah 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 I there's plenty of chickens out there for someone willing to work for it you know uh, oh man. Straight tangent. I love that fucking uh, Game of Thrones line where the, the hound is in that inn and he tells that guy to get him a chicken. And he's like, no. And he's like, I'll eat every fucking chicken in this place <laughs> this whole bar <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, I'll eat every fucking chicken in this place. It was so tight. Relatable. Yeah, relatable. Uh, so now this is uh this is from uh Ronald Reagan on the stump uh stump campaign trailer, whatever. 19- and this is at a campaign rally in January of 76. Uh just imagine his shitty voice. He said, uh, in, Ch- in Chicago, they found a woman who holds the record. Uh, she used 80 names, 30 addresses, 15 telephone numbers to collect food stamps, Social Security, and veterans' benefits for four non existent deceased veteran husbands, as well as welfare. Her tax free cash income alone has been running $150,000 a year. As soon as he quoted the dollar amount, the crowd gasped. Now, uh, yeah, like they clutched their pearls. Um, now and he didn't even have to like exaggerate because the Tribune. Now here's the thing: people used to think that like Ronald Reagan is credited with creating the term "welfare queen." Not true. It was the Chicago Tribune. It's the first instance of it ever used in print or anything like that. It was in the Tribune. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but it was it was it was really ringing this Linda Taylor story dry. Like they were yeah. anything like they anything they could do. They uh, you know. And, and, but what's crazy though is that she was giving them no shortage of material. <laughs> like right, uh, yeah. Um, so this is things that he had repeated that he read in the Tribune that are true, uh, as he'd said Taylor had posed in Michigan as a heart surgeon <laughs> named Dr. Connie Walker. Amazing. And, yeah, and in the Tribune's telling, drove a new Cadillac bearing the physician staff serpent on both doors, with the word af- <laughs> with the word Afro Man on the rear. <laughs> what? What on earth? Yeah. According to other accounts, she allegedly practiced voodoo and had traveled to Jamaica after being released from jail. Uh, Oh, this
1: isn't racist. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah.
0: In September of 1975, Taylor's son-in-law and her daughter, Sandra were indicted for getting fraudulent aid to families with dependent children payments. That's the predecessor to welfare. Uh, Mm -hmm. A month later, uh, with Taylor out on bond and awaiting trial for welfare fraud, that was when she called police and said that two men with guns had barged in her apartment and stole $17,000 in jewelry. And that was when she met Jack Sherwin. That was. uh, was She
1: was trying to. She was trying to change it up a little bit. Like she was like. I don't know this. All this money from uh, my fake dead husband's is pretty good, but I bet I can figure out something else here. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And Now she, she, uh, this, this, there's a whole part of this that I can't even like narratively put in. It just makes no fucking sense. So I, when I, when we get to it, it's just in a completely separate thing that she did. That's insane. Uh, basically, she would steal babies and sell them. <laughs> Oh my God. That was, yeah. That was one of her hustles. So that's what break takes her from being just a character. It
1: does it all to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like what, what you need. I got welfare money. I got babies. I have everything you could possibly need. Um, <laughs> uh, So, yeah, so that's when uh, you know, in February 76, that's when Jack Sherwin dropped in at Taylor's home to deal with yet another burglary case. Uh, You know, this time the welfare queen was the alleged perpetrator, not the victim. Uh, Taylor allegedly had, oh, no, that's what it was. Yeah, so in 76, Jack Sherwin got back on the case because now it was another burglary case in which Taylor was the suspect. Taylor Mm -hmm. allegedly had snatched $800 worth of items from a woman she'd been living with. The police found the victim's items in uh, in, uh, uh, Linda Taylor's house. Uh, Those items include... Uh, one electric can opener. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean this is like same se- high. Yeah, it was seventy six. That was like that was an iPad. <laughs> it was like oh shit, <laughs> uh, a color TV and a fur coat. It was squirreled away in Taylor's apartment building uh, through a though a three. There, I thought I thought of when I said this. This made me think of the uh, the the chick with the car. I forget her name. Um, uh, re- oh
1: the the like car that
0: just had a lawnmower engine in it yeah 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 fuck I forget her name uh, but anyways yeah with the Dale uh, that that lady uh, Dale Car, yeah Jillian Carmichael that's what it was uh, so uh, yeah so you remember how they said they found her crawling, climbing through a back window in a pink pantsuit <laughs> and like in, the, in, in Miami you're like that's how I want to yeah. go uh, of the items that were stolen from this lady's house uh, the one was not recovered and that was a three-piece polka dot pantsuit <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> Also, the officers found two small children living in squalid conditions. Uh, the boys, a white seven-year-old and a black five-year-old, were taken in protective custody. Uh, the subsequent news story, though. This, oh, so here's the thing. This lady, is is she's a burglar. She's trafficking humans. She is just like an all-around all piece of shit. But yeah. what does the media focus on? Because they, they, oh yeah, her car got impounded because they used it in the commission of a crime. New York Times headline, Welfare Queen you, Loses Her Cadillac Limousine. God.
1: Right. Like, it's really yeah, it's, really burying the lead to, to call this human trafficker yeah, yeah. Like, an abuser <laughs>
0: yeah, of welfare. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, and that's, that was all that they fucking gave a shit about. It was just like.
1: Right. It, it, How it, dare you steal from the government?
0: Exa- yeah. It was like with the Martin Scrawley. Like he, he did the, 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 you know, like, jacked at the price of a life-saving medication walks. Nothing happens to him. He steals some money from some rich people and you, you're going down dude. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. You're done. Yeah. You're done. So, that is wild though. And that it, it is kind of interesting though, that there was that human trafficking element of it because like, I feel like a lot of the welfare queen sort of that sort of racist stereotype also involves, um, the idea of like unwed black mothers yes. as like being welfare queens, which is like so absurd. Cause it's like, how does that make them less sympathetic? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want single moms to have all the money. Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like it, it, it's so strange. I, but.
0: I, I saw a, a YouTube clip where it was, a. Uh, it was Kid Rock uh, at a show and he was outlining his political beliefs. Oh, good. Yeah, oh yeah, he's like, and I'm talking about stopping these girls from having these 11 fucking kids they can't take care of. And I just wanted to be like, in my head, I was like, you want humans to stop being born? Like that's the fucking stupidest <laughs> argument. Like, yeah. like, we got it. Like, oh man, I, I, I don't know. It's just it's such a stupid thing. And it's like, yeah, you would never say that about white children. You would never say we need to curtail right. the amount of white children being yeah, born. Yeah, like, like start
1: start yelling at Mormons for yeah. like Catholics. Like, yeah,
0: <laughs> I yell at Mormons just as a general purpose, um, just for fun. Yeah, just yeah, on principle. When I was a kid, my friend David, uh, he, he had a pool, and we used to. Uh, go up on his roof, smoke weed, and then dive into the pool, and he nice. on the other side of his fence was a Mormon church, and we used to throw all of our like little homemade weed pipes and like beer bottles into the Mormon church <laughs> parking lot, we just chuck them over the fence, and then we'd skip our church on Sunday and hang out at his house and smoke and dive off the roof into the pool, and then we, <laughs> we started yelling shit at the Mormons when we would jump off the roof <laughs> and we would just yell all sorts of crazy shit at them, but this was also the year that American Pie came out, and so our favorite thing to yell we'd see a family rolling up, and we'd jump up off the roof of the pool, we'd go. Suck me, beautiful. Just go, <laughs> <laughs> wow, just yeah.
1: committing Mormon hate crimes. Child past <laughs> Yeah, man. Damn.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm out here doing the good, doing the Lord's work. <laughs> uh, no, so uh, yeah. So for much of the 1970s, uh, Taylor had consistent legal representation from celebrated black Chicago attorney R. Eugene pincham In the run-up to Taylor's welfare fraud trial, Pincham, who managed to delay the proceedings for years, winning continuance after continuance, positioned his client as a victim of cold-hearted, overreaching prosecutors. He said it would be a pretty sorry situation if the state tried to prosecute and send to jail everybody from the South Side that took welfare money that didn't have it coming. He told the Tribune in 1976, there'd just be nowhere to put them, which I don't think did any help there, buddy. I don't think you helped anybody by saying the entire South Side is... uh,
1: that's the thing is like, it, it really speaks to who they're talking about and who they're worried about doing this. Yes. Cause it's like, you don't care about, People cheating welfare. You care about people on the south side cheating yeah, welfare. Yeah, exa- that's where yeah. Black people live in Chicago. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, and and, and it's and, like it's the same thing. Like with like people who applaud uh, rich business owners for finding ways to squirrel away their tax money, and, right? And, and and it's like, but you but then somebody takes government assistance, and that and that's not clever. It's just it's such a stupid fucking double standard. I don't right? Know. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> no,
1: that we this is you know who did uh, so much for this. Uh, this cause of like everyone should cheat the government who gives a shit uh odb uh oh, yeah. waiting in the food stamp <laughs> yeah, line yeah, yeah. in that documentary for mtv yeah a true hero yeah
0: yeah 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 exactly exactly uh yeah uh, r.i.p odb um <laughs> yeah uh, we oh, miss you yeah right <laughs> please come back um so now Taylor didn't help her legal team sell the idea at all that she was a piteous victim because she, uh, the AP described her courtroom attire as brightly colored mod outfits with sparkling rings and bracelets. A gaudy- okay. Let her look good. All yeah, right. Yeah. She wants to look but good. But what this did though, this image of her sitting in court is, it, whether it's whether it's a, a direct memory or just like the, the perceived like collective uh, subconscious the idea mm, yeah. of a black woman sitting in court for welfare fraud decked out in jewelry is when you talk to people who have those viewpoints and that, and that ideals that is what they see they see this yeah, even if they is, even if they haven't seen this they see it. they they saw it even they, if they didn't watch the yeah. yeah so that's a good way to put it is
1: like it's it is now like an image that is so burned into our culture. It doesn't matter if yes. it ever really happened, exactly. Yeah, but like, it also like it drives me crazy the way that people talk about this stuff, where it's like, you know, you you get shamed if you're poor and you look nice. yeah, and you get shamed if you're poor and you look poor. yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. there's no way you're allowed to just be, yeah, everybody yeah. is. Uh, Constantly scrutinizing all these decisions You're making I mean it's the thing people always say About like millennials where it's like oh you're poor But you have an iPhone it's like yeah, an iPhone costs like way less than a fucking house.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. You yeah. know,
1: it's not the same thing. You can't. Yeah, you can't make those you, comparisons.
0: Everybody is a fucking expert on what poor people should do. If you ever been with a, if you ever been yeah. with a middle aged woman in a grocery store, you, I like, <laughs> tell you, like I, they are experts on what should be going in that shopping cart. <laughs> like, why yeah. are they buying all those pizzas? They should just get a whole chicken. it's just like, it's, yeah, yeah. It's everybody. I a, mean,
1: it's interesting that you say that because I do think. And this is like obviously not like I don't think being overweight is nearly as like disadvantageous to you as being poor or anything, but yeah. it's similar in the sense that like there's no way you can deal with it without people having an opinion on how you're doing it your oh dog. yeah yeah everybody has an opinion yeah. on how you look what you what you buy what yep. you eat like all this stuff yeah it's so. Like just let people fucking yeah, figure it out. Yeah, exactly.
0: Dude, I, I, I have a bit about that. I did talk about like, like somewhere like skinny people got it in their head that they're smarter than fat people. Cause they're just like,
1: right. And that's why they're thin. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly.
0: It's like, well, you know, I look like this, you look like that you're an idiot. Like, you know, like, that's like the logic. Yeah. So, uh, so now, uh, her, her court behavior was bizarre to say the least. Uh, at one point she gave a home address that turned out to be a vacant lot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, her attorneys did make an effort to have her declared insane. Uh, the petition for medical examination was ultimately denied. Uh, in February, 1978, the welfare queen entered Illinois Dwight correctional center. According to the sun times while incarcerated, she worked cleaning her fellow inmates cottages. Uh, As of March, 1979, she had a minor violation on her prison record, having allegedly used state-owned materials to make cushions and sell them. (laughs) So she's (laughs) hustling, you know? So after that, Linda Linda Taylor disappeared from the news. Uh, By the end of the 1970s, Taylor had become a historical footnote. The welfare queen was forgotten, but before anyone really figured out who she was. And uh, at this point, we want to jump back into the Wayback Machine, and I want to rewind back to 1964. Also on Chicago's south side, police responding to a family member's call to please check on an older relative who was deathly ill. They find the body of Lawrence Wakefield. Uh, They also find tons of coins, cash, and betting slips. They put it together pretty quickly. They're looking at a very large-scale illegal betting operation. You see, Lawrence Wakefield wasn't just some guy. He was the last black bookmaking kingpin in Chicago. Uh, uh, yeah, the mob controlled mostly everything in that town but lawrence had managed to stay them off and to actually thrive and he did it by just living very modestly everybody thought he was like a small potatoes guy and he was definitely mm-hmm. past his prime uh most of the money that they found was over 50 years old it was cash but he had a lot of that's it. that's pretty he, thick yeah, yeah he, he had it saved
1: st- all he, that money he had
0: it stashed in couch cushions and mattresses and it was just everywhere and a lot of it was in change not even in fucking bills it was in change um and he he, sat, he you know he had he had it stashed around after police went through all the dozens of hiding spots containing wads of cash, all told he had over seven hundred grand in his house just chilling. Nice in nineteen sixty four. That's like you know that's like I would I would say maybe like one point seven eight million dollars around there. Oh
1: yeah yeah yeah. yeah so yeah, he was yeah you know. he was
0: doing okay, and there was nothing outright linking the cash to the gambling operation, so his family was free to claim the money, uh, which, yeah. which is cool. Thing is though he had no will and no living relatives, so. Uh oh! Uh Yeah! 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 Woo! 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 <laughs> so, when photos of all that cash hit the Chicago papers, more than a dozen alleged heirs emerged to grab for the money. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Uh, so, one contender was a woman named Rose Kennedy, not the lobotomized sister of uh, of the uh, John F. Kennedy, but um, <laughs> yeah, she was a a sixty six year old white woman who said she was Wakefield's common law wife. Uh, according to Kennedy, she and her late husband, who had died 30 years earlier, had invested 160 grand to start their own betting operation in Chicago. When her husband passed away, Kennedy explained Lawrence and Wakefield had taken the reins of the operation and she'd become his live-in companion. So, so
1: she allegedly found out that her living companion was dead from the newspaper.
0: Yeah. It seems like they had separated, but I guess they lived together long enough to substantiate <laughs> okay, common yeah. law. But now that, that she, and that she was the strongest claim uh, claimant, um, her toughest competition though was a woman named Constance Wakefield. Uh, on, oh, okay. on April 18th, 1964, the city's black newspaper, the Chicago defender, dope ass newspaper name, uh, really good. splashed a headline across its front page, dead policy king 763,000 demanded by his daughter in quotes uh has papers to prove her claim the first two paragraphs of the story read skeptically. I just love the idea it's a black newspaper and the, 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 the paragraphs read skeptically. Like i am said, <laughs> all right. So hold on a 29 year old woman who claims to be the daughter. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I bet of the late policy. <laughs> king Lawrence Wakefield has unfolded a fantastic story of plots and intrigue, which separated her from her father. The claimant Constance Beverly Wakefield, who lives on Chicago's North side, showed the defender an array of documents, which she claims prove she is the daughter of Wakefield. Uh, it got stranger from there Constance told the defender that Rose Kennedy Lawrence Wakefield's purported common law wife was no such thing she also accused Kennedy of trying to poison her saying that, the doctor said I had swallowed enough strychnine to kill a dozen people uh, I love how, <laughs> I love how crazy people talk it's just it's,
1: the, it's very good uh, I, just like you know you you're when you're trying to make your claim plausible and strong, definitely accuse everyone else of poisoning yeah.
0: you. Man, I, I would, eat, like, among the reasons it would suck to get poisoned, uh, chiefly, <laughs> I would say it would suck, because who would believe if somebody told me they got poisoned, I'd be like, fuck out of here, man. Like,
1: yeah, I'd be like, no, you got drunk. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That, have you ever had people do that where they're like, oh, yeah, somebody put something in my drink? Yeah. And it's like, you had, like, 12 drinks. Yeah, yeah no, that's...
0: It is- Yes, that's so funny. That's a a comic who will remain nameless was on the air one time. was like, yeah, I think somebody slipped something in one of my drinks. And Michael Priest, who will remain named, who said, he's like, so you think somebody slipped something in one of your 15 drinks? (laughs) Like,
1: obviously, like, obviously, you know, believe women, all that stuff. It's like, if somebody has an experience like that, like, I, I believe them. But if you're just like, man I woke up and I felt really shitty today someone probably slipped something in my drink it's like yeah, no
0: you yeah. drank too much yeah like, like, like I, I, I like the, yeah, exactly well it's also with, like the, the behavior they're trying to explain away if somebody says they think somebody slips in their drink because they woke up in a strange place with bruises or right whatever, that's a that's different the, that's a different thing yeah. but if yeah. the dude like the guy tried to fight a mailbox and fucking like got to a you know like, like got into an argument with a parked car it's like oh, yeah, I think somebody slips in my drink like oh yeah that, yeah that drug that makes you fight people yeah that's what somebody put in right, your drink right right right
1: <laughs> and then they just disappeared into the night to let yeah.
0: you fight a mailbox yeah, yeah that sounds yeah. good <laughs> oh man uh my friend mike got roofied by a girl one time which we laughed about at the time in retrospect pretty horrifying
1: jesus yeah yeah not cool
0: yeah at the time we we, we were like 17 or 18 we thought it was hilarious and uh now that i look back i'm like fuck that's actually really shitty that happened to him <laughs> yeah
1: listeners don't roofie people don't. watch your friends drinks thank you yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly <laughs> Uh, so it got strange from there. Constant sold the defendant. Yeah, there's no such thing. She said uh, the doctor said she'd swallowed enough strychnine to kill a dozen people, but didn't die. Uh, and in just the last few weeks, she reported police had captured. She reported that police, she said the police had captured two white men trying to break into her house, a uh, quote, swore the Italian had threatened to kill her and her bodyguard narrowly thwarted an attempt to blow up her 1964 Cadillac. Uh, a, few, a few days after that the Associated Negro Press wrote can, can they warn me before they put these fucking words in there it just feels weird. It feels weird saying Associated Negro Press I don't like that don't they, don't, Jesus I, I, I probably wrote I did write about 60% of what's going on here but I did not write Associated Negro Press it just <laughs> snuck up on me uh, they wrote that Constance Wakefield Steinberg uh, with, that she, she was a, uh, a, a quote light-skinned Negro woman with a Jewish surname God the 60s were a different time uh, reported, <laughs> yeah, reported to police that her 11 year old son John had been kidnapped and that she'd be receiving a number of threatening calls so she's saying that everybody's out to get her because she's trying to claim this money uh, I'll give you one hint who you think who do you think Constance Wakefield was uh, uh,
1: I'm gonna go out on the limb and say our friend Linda Taylor yes
0: yes ding 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 you won five, 15 more minutes of copy uh,
1: Yay!
0: so yeah uh, a probate case was soon underway uh, the turning point was when attorneys for Rose Kennedy called a surprise witness a 59 59- Year-old man from Blythe, Arkansas, named Hubert Mooney. Uh, Hubert said that he knew for a fact Constant Wakefield's lying because he was her uncle. He said he'd known her since she was born, Martha Louise White, 29 years prior. Now, weighing all the evidence, Judge Anthony Cogit decided that, t- uh, cited Taylor for contempt of court and sentenced her to six months in jail. She wouldn't get any of Lawrence Wakefield's money, the balance of which would go to Rose Kennedy, the, the, the policy king's common law wife. Now, for Hubert Mooney, the, the uncle in question, who died in 2009, this was a jarring experience. Uh, his daughter, Joan Shepherd, says that Mooney was from a different era and that he was a very prejudiced man. Taylor's behavior, she says, made her father angrier than he, she'd ever seen him. His niece's lying and scheming were one thing, but there was something else he never understood. Why was Martha Louise White passing herself off as a black woman?
1: Oh, that's what pissed him off.
0: Yeah, because he is white. <laughs> and he is white. And Linda Taylor, his niece, he's wondering, why yeah. is his niece acting like a black woman? Because to yeah. him, his niece is white. So do you see that this is weird? So 45 years before she became the welfare queen, Linda Taylor was a little girl on a farm in Mississippi Mississippi County, Arkansas. The 1930 census identifies her as Martha Miller, one of three children of Joe Miller, a cotton farmer, Joe's wife, Liddy Miller. Though her uncle Hubert testified that Taylor was born in Southern Alabama, the census says her place of birth is Tennessee. She was listed as four years old in 1930 and 13 in 1940. So, you know, there's some mistakes there, meaning she was born sometime between 1925 and 1927. And as of 1940, the 13 year old girl had attended school but had only gone so far as the second grade and in the box labeled colored or race she was marked with a w for white just like everyone else in her family (laughs) so now there's there's speculation because she did have her kids were like kind of split down the middle like some of them she had four kids uh three of them passed for white one of them a a Mm. brother who was a black but her kid was black um she ended up leaving him with a black family in Mississippi and leaving and her adult son would later recall, where's my brother? And she said, oh, he had to go do this, had to go do this. Now that he got older, he realized she dropped the inconvenient child off somewhere else. But, Damn. but the, the the thing is, what it all boils down to is the woman who is responsible for the, the archetype and stereotype of the black uh, welfare queen in America – is a fucking con artist white woman. <laughs> <Like that's, laughs> that, that is, that is the, the alt, all, all the trouble and problems that have came from that right. shitty stereotype are just all Rachel Dolezal because it's not, yeah. even she's not even black. She's ethnically ambiguous. They think that they, they, they determined they said that she, her, her birth father, her mother may have cheated on her father. She definitely does have darker features than her siblings. But I mean, as far as anybody knows, as far as the whole world interpreted her, she was white. Yeah, yeah. She, she was white. She was white. So, she
1: for all intents and purposes, this is a white woman.
0: Yes, this woman was yeah was a white woman, and who was also uh, and this is the part where I said I didn't even narratively know how to fit this in because that that that's the end of our story there for for Linda Taylor. Linda Taylor just uh, completely fooled the nation and uh, was also a shitty person and also
1: just. Really, I, you know what? Her racist uncle should really not be this upset about it because, like, <laughs> if he's that racist, like she's she did so much for racists. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: She was really yeah. She oh, her legacy her.
1: for racists is,
0: is yeah. hard to think. for real. You know exactly. Yeah, she she uh, is definitely a figurehead in that field, but. So okay, she was a known baby kidnapper. Many of her husbands that lived with her, and even her children, said the kids would just show up and then be gone like a week later at their Ooh. house. Yeah, pretty shitty. Now, one of the most famous um, missing uh, baby cases in like you know, on uh, America, but definitely in Chicago, was a little boy named John Franzak. John Fronzak was stolen from a hospital, out of his mother's arms by a woman dressed as a nurse. Uh, it was a the she only described her as a as an African American woman who took her baby and left, and uh, and was like, "Oh, I'm just going to take him to go do something out the hall." Left, took off. It's been a like a a long term like like decades long unsolved mystery, and they went, wow they went back and started looking at this and all the information that was uh, that was given, and a guy that she was living with at the time said on that day. She left the house in a nurse's outfit. And she was not a nurse. She just left in the nurse's outfit. Just,
1: just normal, just normal yeah. shit.
0: That you le- do yeah, le- left in a nurse's outfit and was gone for seven days and then returned again. So they believe that she may be the person who kidnapped John little John Franzak. Uh, but, but among other people, she kidnapped a bunch of fucking kids throughout her life. And Damn. Yeah, so yeah, that's it. That's the, that's the story of Linda Taylor. Uh, just a the the a, a, a proto uh yeah. <laughs> who yeah? You just uh, like it's just insane to me. It's just, I I was I heard about this and I did not know that little twist literally until I read the I, I read this Slate article and was just like holy shit! Like the lady was white the entire time. It's it's baffling. I mean, I guess whatever the world when the world looked at her, they did see a black woman. So I mean, I I can't take that. But like, I mean,
1: I think it's like what you said about like who knows if she was really wearing like rings and furs in the courtroom. It's what people like wanted to see.
0: I think it
1: doesn't even matter that this woman like was black passing. It's this is, this is what this welfare queen archetype needed to be for a racist country (laughs) to elect Ronald Reagan and to cut welfare. So it, but it is wild. Just like, to, on on top of all the ironies that this whole stereotype is based on a single person, yeah, yeah, not like a not a continued pattern or phenomenon, yeah, no, and no. then for that person to be white is
0: wild, yeah, yeah, exactly, and it's you said it's it's what she needed to be, and like more importantly, it's like she what she needed to not be and she needed to not be white like that that's like right that was yeah, the, yeah we just needed her to not be white and that's all that's you know they, if you will it into fucking existence you know like now right. uh, they did say there was instances of her as a teenager um she had a uh a, a problem fucking married men and uh yeah. was definitely uh was definitely chased out of a house by a woman who was screaming the n-word at her so i mean i guess, okay. uh, yeah, I guess well, you know, i guess we know i guess that that was the time for that lady to break it out i guess but uh it, it just it's 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 just crazy, yeah. It's it was this whole this whole yeah archetype of, of this person that that went on to like be utilized to do so much harm and just like it just cement the yeah uh, this idea that people have in their head of like of how the other half lives and like it has stopped anything from being done to change it or to help it uh, all from this fucking lying piece of shit lady who just was whatever race was more convenient for her at the time, and then yeah. and then was and then was in turn, whatever race was more convenient for us. It's, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. it worked out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It worked out. So, um, I guess, uh, worth it. No, not at all. (laughs) Like that's just no
1: bad for her. Bad for the world. Yeah. What a bummer
0: guys. If you're, if you're ever thinking of, uh, of, you know, Committing welfare fraud, or stealing children, or passing yourself off as a different race in order to uh, to, to deceive people—just don't do it. Maybe commit welfare fraud. I don't really give a shit about that, but like, uh, fucking no, don't, don't, don't. I'm not. I don't want to go out there condoning that. But I'm just saying, not worth it. Don't do it. Uh, nothing came of it except a lifetime of just getting a, a few a few dollars here and there. That's pretty much all she did. And, uh, yeah. they also, uh, they also definitely think she killed one of her seven husbands. That's uh that's there's all right. Yeah. <laughs> so don't kill your husband. I like either.
1: that. She's so shitty. We're like, Oh, also, by the way, she probably was a murderer. Yeah. She probably was also <laughs> a murderer.
0: Yeah. But that, that's, that's that, that's just the thing. Like, look at, like, if you take anything from this, like, look at like, whatever, like th- 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 sometimes people need to be something for a narrative or they need to be less than they are, or they need like the, 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 they want to ignore certain parts of them that are very vital to understanding the story. Right. Fully.
1: It's so, what's a more compelling story.
0: Exactly. And, and it's literally, it, it sucks because no one else is going to do it. It's up to you. It's like you, uh, you have to like dig deeper and do the math yeah. and figure out what the fuck is going on. Uh, cause if you don't, you, you might walk away with some very undeserved prejudices or just a completely different viewpoint or a completely incorrect viewpoint of from what's then what's actually happening and so yeah yeah make sure you dig deep uh we all saw that fucking chilling video where all the news anchors were reciting the same fucking thing you know like, oh my god yeah yeah scary yeah so i i just i my house currently is a is a home for wayward boys because a kid that i a kid from my hometown uh moved to austin and had a place set up and the place fell through so i got him a job at uh at my my job, and then he brought somebody with him. So I got that kid a job too. And then, like the first day they get there, they have no place to stay, so they're staying with me <laughs> while they while they secure a place. And uh, I have a one bedroom apartment; it's getting pretty old, pretty quick. But <laughs> one of the kids uh, just repeats the shit he reads off Facebook. And like, oh, no. he was in my he was in my house for like seven hours before I was like, I, "These like,
1: boys are wayward, Pat. You yeah. have to, you have to help
0: them." I told them about Snopes. That was my thing. I was like, "Cause
1: oh, that's so nice of yeah, you." Yeah, the,
0: the kid looked at me and he goes, he goes hey, first of all, he says, guess what? I, that's the worst way to start off a fucking story. Don't ever tell anybody, hey, guess oh what? Oh my God, don't yeah. If you're not a child, <laughs> don't do that. Um, so he, he guess what in me? And he goes, uh, guess what? I was like, what? He goes, did you hear that? Uh, what the fuck is his name? Uh, Stephen Hawking, before he died, made a pill that lets you use 100% of your brain
1: no <laughs>
0: and I was just like bro I was like a- a- everything about that is wrong he's like no dude I was like dude we first of all that's not true that we don't use he's like no we only use 10% I was like shut, shut up You know? <laughs> I-, I told him about Snopes and like I told I was like looking up on Snopes and he was just quiet and staring at his phone for like 8 minutes <laughs> and he was just like
1: oh man you
0: yeah. changed his life yeah yeah he's like 21 he's allowed to fucking think stupid things so I was just like alright well here-, here you go I'm gonna change that for you so (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah yeah do the good do good work if you can put it out there you know
1: yeah that's good good message yeah uh besides our normal message of don't get caught just uh look into some shit yeah yeah
0: don't get caught do some
1: some snooping
0: do some do some reach yeah do some snooping knowledge is power um kathy got anything coming up you want to you want to mention
1: um, I'm going to be in Austin pretty soon. So if you're listening to this in Austin, I'm doing Master Pancake uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Nice. Um, the let's see, 19th and 20th and 27th and 28th, I think. Um, yeah, I'll be doing other shows and stuff. It should be fun. I'm doing Waterbed with Mac Blake one of those days. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah, come see me.
0: Yeah, I will be. Uh, I will be uh, April 11th. I'm. Uh, I'll, I'll be headlining Six Shooter at Barrel of Fun, also hosted by Mac Blake. Uh, and then, um, oh yeah, I'll be at Moon Tower. If you got a badge, come on out and check that out. And uh, hell yeah, yeah. And then also, uh, as every month, Kick Comedy Showcase at Kick Butt Coffee uh, on April twentieth. So that should be should be fun. Uh yeah, but guys, yeah, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for sticking around with us through the break. We really do appreciate that. when, when we when we uh, reached out on Twitter to to say sorry for the wait and like a bunch of people responded like that you know they were still they were still checking for new episodes. So that's what's up. That means Yeah.
1: We appreciate it. We yeah. appreciate
0: it. Yeah, this one's a little harder to record than like, you know, cuz we definitely have to sync schedules up like a hat, you know across the nation and shit so it can be, <laughs> yeah it could be a little difficult so thank you guys for hang, i, I
1: will be we'll be recording a bunch of in-person episodes soon so that'll be a lot of fun we'll yes. have lots of uh lots of hot fresh scams for you guys yeah
0: yeah yeah guys thank you guys a lot uh you know if you don't already follow us on uh on all the bullshit uh you know twitter <laughs> at lcs podcast we're on facebook uh just I would do uh yeah, just like watching steel uh, podcast on Facebook. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> like us, rate us, review us, share us, tell your friends and, uh, you know, but above all guys, remember don't get caught.
1: Don't get caught. All right. See you next time. Bye.